Welcome. This is One Christian, One Topic. Today, our guest is Reverend Stephen Thorne, a priest of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Father Thorne was the pastor of St. Martin de Porres Catholic Church in North Philadelphia and currently is completing a doctorate in educational leadership at Bowie State University and chairs the Archbishop's Commission on Racial Healing. Today's topic, homilies at Mass. Let's get to it. Uh, Father Thorne, as a priest who has given, spoken numerous homilies, reflecting on the scripture readings of the day, what is your primary focus in preparing your homilies? First of all, you know, uh, for me, um, preaching is, is very important. It's part of my life as a priest and um, communicating God's word, you know, is, is critical. So um, I've always been drawn to homilies. I, I try to always um, get better at it. I'm not perfect at it. I try, I put a lot of work into it. It always begins in prayer. Um, so I begin my homilies by just asking God to enlighten me, you know, and to give me what I need to preach. Um, Secondly, another kind of the, the process is I read the scripture readings a week ahead of time, you know, and in the Catholic tradition, one of the great things is we have, we have a lectionary, we have an order of readings, so we know what the readings are looking like, there's no guess, so we know what's going to happen, so I, I read them, and kind of like let them kind of marinate from, a, from a, I guess, a culinary perspective, like let them sit with me, the word doesn't change, but we change, I change, the community changes. So I always try to apply the eternal word of God to the circumstance of the people in front of me. And that's a challenge, you know, so I, I allow the word to sit with me. I'm very attentive to, I, I like politics and current events. So I am one who does a lot. I, I watch the news, I read the newspaper. I, I try to stay current on what's happening in people's lives and then make the connection. So what is God saying to the people that are in front of me. Uh, I've been blessed, uh, most of my priesthood, to be in African-American communities where, um, I, I, being African-American myself, I, I know a lot of the struggles that people go through, and I try to weave that into the homily. So I don't think a homily should just be something that I get offline is read to people. So um, I, I don't read a homily. I actually preach it. And preaching it, it's an oral presentation where I may have an index card, I have some notes, but I'm actually preaching to the people. It's in my head, and I try to really bring that about to people. And people often respond in that idiom, that tradition, in such a way where they, they kind of encourage you and, 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 and uh, um, uh, give you direction themselves. So it's, it's a dynamic relationship between the people and the preacher. And the goal is that people walk away with some homework, that they're, they're informed, but they're also inspired to do something. So the homily always draws you to the Eucharist, but also draws you to go out. I always say from the altar to the street. So I should be able to think about what I heard today in the homily that leads me to be a better Christian and to follow Jesus. And so I always give those points that um, give people some homework to do, whether it's preparing their hearts for Christmas, whether it is thinking about justice issues, whatever it may be. But I think that connection is very important. One of the things I did in the middle of the pandemic, we still recorded homilies for our people to keep them spiritually alive during the terrible pandemic time in 2020. And um, the irony is that George Floyd was murdered the week before Pentecost. And um, obviously, George Floyd asked for, I can't breathe, he asked for breath. And 
that's how God gave us the church is through the spirit. The spirit is, is, is breath, you know, breathing. Yes. He breathes upon them. So it was, a, to me, a, a connection that was very obvious that to preach about what happened in our country, people were very upset about, and also the spirit of the God, living God coming upon us. So all that being said, there's a process, and I try to uh, listen to other people's homilies, listen to the people. Uh, but more importantly, I try to ask God, to, I ask God to help me to be faithful in my preaching that people might grow spiritually. I think, um, yeah, that, that, that's a jam-packed answer. Uh, and I, I love it, but I want to like start pulling or teasing out a little bit of, of what you said. Sure. Um, Cause it's true. You, you mentioned, and I've seen that in your homilies, you begin by asking everyone, at least in some of your homilies, you begin by asking everyone to pray for you and pray with you. Mm -hmm. And can you speak a little bit about the importance of starting your homily with prayer and kind of like, I, I, I think that's important. I think that's very important, but can you speak about what initiated that kind of like train of thought to before you even started speaking, you asked for prayer, not necessarily um, about people, but you include yourself as a community. Let's all pray before, you know, you yourself actually start preaching. Sure. Two things, Alex. Um, one, it comes out of the, the African tradition that um, really, the, you know, asking for permission to speak, you know, in, in, the, in the Black tradition, oftentimes it's the elder that gives permission to speak. So, you know, uh, it, it's part of my culture, you know, in terms of the importance of, you know, uh, may I speak, you know, um, obviously I'm ordained. I know that the church and the bishop has commanded me and give me faculties to preach a homily, but it's also tied into the fact that I'm, I'm asking the people to be involved in what I'm doing. It's, it's very much a communal reality. Secondly, it, is, it was inspired by Pope Francis, actually. One of the first, one of the things, first things he did, he says, pray for me. You know, and I was I was just struck by that when I watched him in his first moments as our Holy Father. I'd never heard a, a pope say, I need prayer. <laughs> and, and it, it kind of got me thinking that I, I need prayer too. And so it's a very live reality that I, I'm, I'm not I'm not God. I, I'm a man and I have good days and bad days. And sometimes that prayer really helps calm me down to get me in the right spirit to preach. It also it involves the people in the conversation. It's also humbling because it really is God's word. And I'm, I'm an instrument, you know, I'm, I'm a vessel. So often I will ask God, get rid of me and you step in. So it's not just Stephen Thorne in a way, it's, it's God using me to say what God wants to say to the people. Because sometimes a homie is going to be a tough word and folks may not want to hear it. So I got to make sure I'm not just preaching to be popular. That's not preaching. Preaching is being prophetic. And sometimes prophecy means you might get in trouble. And you sometimes should ruffle some feathers when you are challenging people to, to think differently. So with that being said, I, I, it's something I've done, especially in, in the Black tradition. It, it's, it's very um, many times uh, Black preachers will ask, I need prayer and, and ask for prayer from the congregation before he preaches. And it's just a nice weaving together of being Black and Catholic. And um, kind of you ever mentioned this, too, which I, I've noticed um, one of the qualities I appreciate about in your preaching is your humility, humbleness, uh, because during your homilies, you include yourself uh, as part of the people that need to change, repent, seek Jesus. Uh, you don't talk down to listeners, but you speak up on issues while standing among the people, literally and figuratively. How aware are you of using this we 
in your kind of um, dialogue instead of you, because, you know, not to speak too much of it, but there are other uh, homilies where people keep saying you, 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 you know, should do this, you should do this, but you incorporate the we, you kind of like uh, include yourself in that. Like how much do you have to work for that? Or how much is that just natural for you? Like being cognizant of what you were just mentioning that it's a you're part of the community instead of like separating yourself from it yeah i think it's a very critical aspect of this leadership is that i think authentic leaders are, are people who realize they're on the journey as well uh, and as a teacher i'm an educator as well i often say you know the best teacher students you know and as i you know pursue my doctorate education i'm i've often saw myself as professor but also a student and so it's the same correlation with my spirituality is that I am a student, I'm a disciple, I'm a brother, but I'm also the pastor or the preacher. So I, I take both those realities. So the we is very intentional. Um, when I was a pastor, um, I always, the last Sunday of the year, I, I always stood before the congregation and apologized. Uh, I just simply said, you know, I know throughout this year, I have offended someone, whether consciously or unconsciously. And if I've done it consciously, I've always tried to to obviously openly say to someone, I'm sorry. Uh, but a lot of times we do things and people never tell us that we've offended. So I, I, I would have a general absolution uh, and ask people to, to pray for me and ask them to continue to have patience with me as, as a human being, because I'm on the journey. You know, I think some, it's a push against the clericalism that sometimes we, we take in that toxicity that priests are perfect, we're not. Uh, and so the we comes from the reality that I, because the, the homily is preached to me first. I often preach in the bathroom or I'm brushing my teeth uh, or I'm, I'm walking around the rectory preaching, literally talking, because uh, again, it's not a written word, it's an oral word. And so I'm really preaching things that, what do I need to hear today? What needs, what do I need to grow? Where are my growth moments? And sometimes that correlates to people's lives. So say, Father, wow, you were really talking to me. Well, really, was, I was talking to me, but because I'm attuned to the people's needs, it also comes from being aware where people are, listening to people's stories, knowing them, knowing their struggles, um, being very cognizant of the word of God, the Bible, and the daily news. Oftentimes, preachers will say, you have both in your hands and to know what is happening in people's lives. And if you are aware of that, you know the struggles, you know the joy, you know, you can bring that together. So um, I think I think it makes it very human because it, as opposed to I talk, you listen, because the homily really is in the Catholic tradition, although people may respond to it, it is my interpretation. Um, but I think it's important for me to be very humble to realize that I'm also being preached to or with as opposed to just simply preached at. One of, um, from my perspective, um, I see that, you know, you're immersed in scripture, as you're, you know, have mentioned, you're knowledgeable of the community you're in, you're knowledgeable of the current events. I mean, that's what comes through me from your preaching. But what elements would you say contributes, and you've listed some, we talked about some, but what elements would you say contributes to how and why you deliver the type of homilies you deliver? Storytelling, you know, I, I love storytelling. I'm a talker, obviously. And so I, I think telling stories are very important. I oftentimes will take something that's really, I have a theme oftentimes in my homilies. So, you know, people kind of know where it's going. Sometimes on purpose it is it, it makes you think because it's not so obvious. Like, where is this going today? It may be a song. 
It may be something that is uh, happening, you know, uh, a question. It's meant to, as a, as a communicator, it's meant to create interest. I may use a symbol. I may use, a, you know, actual prop. You know, again, especially when I'm preaching to young people, they, they love that because, you know, it, it gives a connection. I preach one time about, you know, um, a baseball, you know, being, you know, a, a ball that it is actually has something in it. You know, I talked about make that connection to the Christian life. We're supposed to have something inside of us. So I use those things. I use humor. I like jokes and funnies and, and things that, you know, connect people's lives. Or I, I often talk about my myself or my family. And again, people can relate to situations that are funny and they're relatable. And then it also engages um, many times in, in, in my, my parish, in the Black tradition, the homily is much more than a kind of a seven minute quick you know, expression of the readings, kind of rehashing of the scriptures. So if it's going to go on for 30 minutes, it, it's got to be engaging. So I, I'll move around. I'll start perhaps at the pulpit. I'll move to the, the aisle or I'll, 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 I often will weave in music. Um, the choir director and I were very much in sync. And so I often would end my homily with a song, which kind of brought it together. So all that was part of different ways to engage um, people in, in, in uh, whether it's storytelling and hum, or humor, um, movement, you know, obviously inflection of voice, all that is part of the kind of the uh, the form of the, the preaching. It's a matter in the form. The word is important. You can make a message, but also there's something that's supposed to be engaging to people. So people can, um, again, the goal is, you know, father wasn't just funny or fathers move around a lot, but what did I learn from that? And I want people to walk out of church saying there's two or three things I have some homework to do as a Christian this week. You, you brought up this um, idea of music in your homilies. Can you talk about that relationship of one of the things that I sometimes wonder is, did the music lyrics lead your homily or did the music supplement your homilies? Is it often that, uh, or it could be both, uh, it could be both and, is the music sometimes a starting point or is it, because I, I feel like sometimes, I, you know, in your homilies, you know, you kind of like ends and then the choir comes in and they beautifully add to it with a specific song. So I, I'm just wondering about that dynamic, like whether um, you kind of had that song in mind or the choir you know, and just kind of listening to your uh, preaching, you know, figured out this is the song that fits with it. It's often pre-prepared. It's it's already intentional. Um, the choir director um, at St. Martin de Porres, where I was pastor, Tanya Dorsey, was an outstanding person. She would listen very intently to what I was preaching, but oftentimes she would share suggestions. Um, normally in Catholic worship, there isn't a song after the homily. That's more of a cultural adaptation. Um, kind of intention, kind of an extension of that, because music is such a part, important part of Black worship and Black spirituality. But um, it, it did, it tied in well. And even if you didn't get much out of the homily, that may have been the case, uh, at least the song, you know, got you, you know. So it was meant to connect in many different ways to get in. And Tiny would suggest, let's, let's, what do you think about this song, Father, Then your homily? And it would get me thinking. So sometimes it was, it, it led it in terms of getting me to think about, wow, that makes perfect sense. The lyrics of that song are really great. Or I may have something in my, my heart that let her say, could we do this song to end? And so I kind of knew 
the the genre music there and it would it would fit perfectly together and it would kind of lead out of the theme so it, it depends on what was happening but it's all about relationship and that's kind of a theme of our, our conversations relationship whether it is me and the people me and the musicians uh obviously me and god even me and myself like just being very relational because preaching is relational god is not virtual god comes to us in flesh and that's one of the beautiful things about our God, that God didn't say, you're saved from a distance. God literally came in the flesh to us. And so the homily needs to be an enfleshed moment where people really can, can see and taste and touch all those things that, that really evoke humanity. Um, I, I've cried at homily sometimes because it, emotion and holistic spirituality, you know, it is something that really touched my heart it moves me to to tears that's that's being human because that's part of our human reality so relationships are very important and music um and oftentimes it would it'd be a beat song or a reflective song or slower song but it would it would help people understand okay that's what father's trying to accomplish today i think that definitely is what comes through at times i think that's what stands out for me is like that kind of uh, honesty um and that kind of relationship how do you balance the time span of your homily? Um, if it's too short, people might not get anything out of it. If it's too long, people might start tuning out. Mm -hmm. What time frame has worked for you and how do you kind of know generally like how long it should, your homily will be? Good question, very good question. And that's something that's really, um, it varies. Best, you know, again, I think preaching as a pastor, as an African-American and African-American community, I, I, I not, not saying that everybody who's black wants a long homily. That's, that's, that would be true. However, I kind of knew enough about the native community and to know what, what was expected and what was not necessarily expected, but what was, you know, um, what, did, what, what would, what would people want to be fed with in terms of, so if I'm in a different space, you know, I, I, I certainly can preach a homily, which I think is engaging that is relational, that is also five minutes. So I don't think length is always a determinant of a good homily. I, I do think that it gives me, because I'm in, if I'm in a space, especially as a pastor, where part of my responsibility is to address sp specific issues that are part and parcel of the community. So it may take me more time. So it depends on where I am. If I'm a guest who's celebrating mass someplace and I'm just plugged in, a community, obviously it's going to be a very different kind of reflection for me at least, because I don't have the same relationship with the people. Um, but if I am, you know, um, first Sunday of Lent, and I want to really set a tone for where our parish is going for the Lenten season, I may preach for 30 minutes based upon the need that I recognize. But also too, not having a script, you have a lot of flexibility, you know, if something you realize that this is not going well, it's getting people you can tell people are tuning out, you know, well, then you can again maybe shut it down a little bit earlier. Um, so I, I think it's kind of you kind of know where people are based upon the community, the needs, relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's a really if the weather is if it's if it's no heat in church and it's a cold, cold winter day, I ain't gonna preach that long because people are cold. It's basically, you know, I'm gonna give it short. If it's a very hot day or there's a child who really is having a tough time, you know, so people are distracted. All those things may help me to adjust to um, the needs of the, the, the homily being a little bit shorter or a bit longer, depending on what's going on. And I think that's a good word or that's a good um, 
lead in the word adjustments um, or adjusting, like how often or how do you handle that um, situation of adjusting? You may have something prepared to preach on and then all of a sudden you have to scrap it because of something that has come up um, in the moment. You know, you mentioned um, the George Floyd, um, but, you know, it could be any given Sunday, something comes up in, in the moment, like how uh, important is it and how have you kind of dealt with it um, to kind of, I'm assuming you, you, you mentioned you prepared during the week, you have something in mind. And then let's say it could be something like the night before something happens and all of a sudden, you know, you have to make that adjustment. Sure. I think honestly, Alex, that's where the, the, the keeping it real comes in, being very honest. I mean, um, one time Easter Vigil, we had a beautiful celebration. Um, I was uh, back in the rectory, just, you know, getting ready to celebrate. I was actually was having a piece of cake celebrating the breaking of the fast of Lent. And um, a young man was murdered in front of our church. Uh, it was one of the most tragic moments I've had as a pastor. It was actually gunshots in our church door. Um, so I spent the next few hours um, with the police, with the family. Um, everyone knew that they walked in church, saw there were gunshots in the door. They, they heard about it. So no matter what, I was, it was Easter Sunday morning. So how do you marry the joy of resurrection and the tragedy of someone dying on the church steps? So not to preach about that moment would be totally disingenuous. So what happened? That was the homily. I talked about joy in the midst of sorrow. sorrow. I talked about hope in the midst of despair. I mean, so I, I used that. And actually, we ended mass by going outside where the spot of the murder was and prayed. That's, that's church. That's reality. Um, to me, you know, something happened, there's a fire or even something joyful that happens. You know, to me, that's no matter what I prepared, you have to pivot. It's kind of like being a good basketball player, a good football player. You may have a play as a quarterback, but the person's not open, the wide receiver. So you, you have to adjust to the need or, so, or you just throw it to the sideline. I mean, so you have to always be very nimble. And I think being spiritually nimble and realizing what God wants to say to the people, and I'm just a vessel, that's very, very important. And I, I, would, I would say to anyone who's a homeless that no matter what you prepare, if, if, it's, if it's something's happened, if you know this, especially a tragedy, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, if you're not connecting it to the lives of the people, and, and although the word, you know, is eternal, doesn't change. There's a, what's great about our church too is that we have four pieces of scripture: an Old Testament, two Old Testament, two New Testament. So we have a lot of latitude to 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 preach about certain things. I may preach on a certain phrase that's from the readings, or I may preach on all the readings. I mean, so it depends. But I do think it's very important to be realistic and incarnational and, and aware. I, I get there sometimes and say, you know what, I'm having a bad day. Something I get back to the experience of, I talked about it. So I didn't hear what happened. So I kind of told the people what happened and I said, let's pray for that family. Let's pray for that person who did that. You know, um, and let's, and what is God trying to tell us in the midst of tragedy on resurrection day, there's still hope and there's still joy in the midst of tragedy and sorrow. No, I think, um, yeah, that, that's one of the things uh, that struck struck me um your honesty in that i recall that homily you're, you're mentioning uh and, and it was just like it it, it it touched me for that reason um because i think you even mentioned at the start of it you're like i prepared this homily and i have it and i was really gonna enjoy talking about it and 
I like you set that aside because that that that's not what the moment that's not what the community needed. True. Um, true. So I, I definitely you know that that definitely did stick out to me. So yeah, there goes thirty minutes. <laughs> but but before we wrap up, you know, I want to ask you some short questions. I'm asking all my guests um, at the end at the end of an interview. Uh, the first is, what is one scripture verse or part of the Bible that really resonates with you, and why? It's a tough question. You know, it's a lot of uh, scripture verses um, that come to mind. Um, I guess one is. Um, in the gospel of Luke, Jesus says, I'm in your midst as one who serves. And I try to always, that connect, I think it kind of connects to what I've shared this afternoon in this interview is that um, I try to be in the midst of the people as a servant, not above the people, but in the midst, among them. That's how our Lord comes. And secondly, it's in the book of Romans, uh, with St. Paul's, if God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, that's often used at funerals. And it reminds me that God is for me. And no matter what happens, you know, God is for me. God has chosen me. And it gives me a sense of hope in the midst of all my struggles and challenges and sinfulness that God is with me. And so those two things uh, stay in my head as far as my scriptures. The second question is, what is, what is a word or a couple of words that you would like God to use in describing you? Hmm. Um, um, my son. He is my son. Um, God loves me, that God uses me. Uh, God's not finished with me. <laughs> I am a work in progress. I'm a piece of clay and that God is trying to still mold. Um, but, but God loves me. And I, I think for me, part of my spiritual journey has been understanding God's incredible love for me um, because, it, it, and that's always what's motivated me to, to get better is that love. People never change out of fear. It's only love that, is, that sparks true conversion so that um, that God looks upon me and says, that's, that's my son. I love him. And finally, is there anything we can help promote or you like others to support? Uh, I, I think, um, good question. I think people, I, I, these kind of, these kind of moments are great. I love when people take initiative and, and, and uh, as a teacher, I love people own their learning. And, and I think when people can take programs or podcasts or communication, that's a great gift from God. To, to spread good news, spread kindness, spread love, spread justice, awareness, all those things. I just love when people take uh, initiative. I, it's a personal excitement. So I think uh, I would say to people, find something you're passionate about um, and do it and do it well for God. Well, thank you again, Father Thorne, for your time and powerful words. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you keep tuning in for other episodes and keep sharing this podcast with others. God bless us all.